Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi and welcome to The Crane Pod. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. In this episode, I'm going to stick with Edinburgh again and I'll stay within the 21st century. Um, this is one that's been recommended to us by Anne and also by Di. And I'll be telling you about Louise Tiffany. So, Caitlin, do you know about this one? Louise Tiffany is the one that I always think is well we've already done. Yes, I had to look back. So that's why when you said it there, I was like, oh no, Mm -hmm. I'm sure we've done that. Well, that's the problem because then when I was like doing the research, I was like, I know this. And I was like, yeah, I bet you have sat through Caitlin tell me all about it. (laughs) And she's going to be (laughs) raging. We're just repeating episodes now. That's how bad it's getting. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay, so I'll begin. And I'm going to take us back to May 2002, where 43-year-old single mother of two, Louise Tiffany lived in a rented flat in Edinburgh's Dean Village, which is close to the West End and the Water of Leith. It's quite a nice village, I'd say, especially nowadays. Pricey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dean's Village is nice. (laughs) Now, her daughter Hannah was five or six six years old. Many news articles are telling me that she's six, but then when I read a court document, it said five. So I'm not sure. Maybe she was five and turned six. Yeah, let's just say that. She was young, right? And also her son, Sean, who was 18 years old. So a bit of an age gap there. Now, Louise was very close with her youngest, Hannah. And in everything I've read, it sounds like, you know, she was a pretty good mum. She was great. Um, but like anyone, she has to face her own troubles and her own demons at the same time. Now, on the other hand, though, her and Sean did not get on well at all. And it said that they argued a lot, which I get isn't too crazy for a teenager and their parent. But it sounds like he couldn't say anything good about his mum or anything good to her. It was like proper vicious from them both. And Sean's second Right, name, so not just like arguing, just like actual hatred, more like... Yeah, definitely. Like I wouldn't just say it was, you know, teenage arguing with your parents being like, my life is unfair. But, you know. Now, Sean's second name is Flynn after his father who doesn't live in the family home because him and his mum are, they're not together. Now, I saw that Louise had previously worked in a laundrette and things, but I don't believe that she had a job in May 2002. So it sounds like she was pretty much living on the poverty line. She wasn't getting a huge income. She was on benefits. She was in a fair amount of debt with various companies as well, whether that's shopping companies or, you know, on like, actual debt with the bank and things and it's said that she suffered from depression and anorexia as well and she really struggled with her mental health at times so if on top of that with money issues it's not going to help her like one bit now I'll say though that I did read a quote from her mum and it said she was very very generous 
you didn't say you liked something because she would get it for you and then live on beans and toast for the rest of the week. Which it kind of puts into perspective or kind of shows who she was. Yeah. At least to her friends yeah, yeah. and family. Like I and you'll see later on when I start talking as well, like it, it's not like she was perfect. No one's perfect. Everybody has their flaws. Now, on the 28th of May, 2002, Sean Flynn called his aunt in the morning and spoke with his grand's husband, saying that his mum was missing from the flat. He had confirmed that the last time that he saw his mum, Louise, was about midnight or the very early hours of the 28th of May, when they had both had an argument and that his mum had left the flat in a rage and then he had just went to bed. Sean's aunt and the gran, they popped over to the flat just to check things over, you know, make sure everything's okay. And they checked in with a number of friends and family just to see if she was with them. But with no success, they then called the police to report her missing. The strangest Mm. part of the disappearance was that Louise's sister had noticed that her bag, money, keys, benefits book and cigarettes were in the kitchen. And her and her mum were adamant that Louise would not have left without her belongings, especially the cigarettes, because she was quite a heavy smoker. And then also, there's no way that you'd just leave your youngest child. So Hannah, she wouldn't have just left her behind if she had actually planned to, you know, go somewhere. Yeah. once reported to the police as missing, the investigation side of things kind of, they kicked off pretty quickly. It wasn't, you know, oh, well, we'll just wait and see if she ever turns up. Um, there wasn't too much hanging around. So extensive proof of life inquiries started to be carried out pretty much right away. Now, bear with me because it's quite, a, not a long list, but it is quite a long list of what I'm going to say what they um, did to kick off this proof of life but it's really just to show the actual the extent of what the police check when you are reporting Mm -hmm. missing so it included interviews with friends and family obviously public appeals searches and checks with various authorities institutions and organizations including the benefits agency inland revenue passport office all uk police forces the scottish and uk dna databases prisons across the UK, all UK NHS trusts with A&Es or psychiatric units, various financial institutions, UK housing associations and women's refugees. So that's a lot of things to check for one person and that's kind of just to show what proof of life inquiries, what they are. However, all of that failed to show any trace of Louise been alive after the 27th of May 2002. So she did not pop up on any of it. Now, one of the first concerns was that Louise may have fallen into the water of Leith, because this is, a, like I said, the river that flows through Dean Village. Now, it's not roaring, heavy body, body of water, as, as you know, Caitlin, but, you know, it's still, still water and it's easy enough to accidentally fall in and hurt yourself or drown. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the pitch black because it's the early hours of the morning that she went out and you know yourself or anyone that's listening who's walked the water of Leith or at Dean Village I'm not sure that the lights are particularly good and especially what 20 years ago it wouldn't have been amazing 
So foot searches and diving searches, which I didn't even know you could dive in the water of Leith. I guess it's probably just a word. It's not like mega, mega deep, but that all took place, but nothing was shed in any light whatsoever on the disappearance of Louise. Mm-hmm. Now, the same week that she had went missing, her son, Sean, was due to go on trial for dangerous driving. So, oh, right. My heart, like, <laughs> dropped there. I was like, on trial. I was like, ah! <laughs> no, no, this was for something completely different and irrelevant. Not irrelevant, but, like, they, they're not like. Okay, okay. Now, it was a high-speed car accident in 2001, so just the year before, and it was in West Lothian, which took the life of his cousin and his best friend, and they were sitting in the back seat. Now, he had gotten a but new he, car. Sorry, I was going to say, do you know if he had any bad injuries? Was that bad if he um, like, walked away with nothing and they two died? I think he just had, I think there was another passenger in the front with them and they just walked away with kind of, you know, cuts and bruises, which is awful. That's you mental know. to say that two people died, but he just cuts and bruises. That's wild. Mm-hmm. And he'd gotten a new car. I believe, I think it said it was a BMW, but I'm not 100% sure. And he was doing the usual young driver thing. I wouldn't be getting thing. a BMW if I was crashing other cars. <laughs> no, exactly. I'd be, I'd be sticking to one that's got to be written off anyway. And also, it's your first car. Like, or, you know, back in the day, back a year before, he would have only have been 17 as well. Now, and he was shown off to his friends, which, you know, is a typical um, young driver thing to do, in, in my opinion. And unfortunately, though, this went out of control and it sadly ended in the fatal accident. So, obviously, this was one of the things that him and his mum would argue about so much. And it, it was not just the fact that two people died, but one of them was also a family member. So that was her her nephew that also died, you know, his cousin. And this was one of the things that him and his mum were arguing about the night of her disappearance. So... Just a side note as well, the month after his mum went missing, Sean was sentenced to three years and nine months in Polmont Young Offenders Institution for the driving case. For the, for the car thing, wow. Yeah, so he was convicted and he was sentenced. So he had to spend, after a month after his mum went missing, he was in the Young Offenders Unit. Um, but anyway, it's said that they also argued frequently about the fact that Sean was also in a relationship with an older woman and his mum didn't like this, which makes sense because what parent does. I don't really know the age gap, though. I couldn't find anything I was going to say, that. older women's a really big, like, phrase. Are we talking like she was in her early 20s or we're talking like she was in her 40s? Yeah. How I'm old is so old unsure. nowadays? I hope it's <laughs> <Exactly>. not 20s. <laughs> I know. I'd be like, no, not me. Get my walking stick out. Um. But I also bring all of this up because his family, his own family, were very forthcoming with the police because they kept making them aware that Sean and his mum did not have a good relationship with each other. And Which that is good. That's good that they're not like portraying the family thing they're actually saying. But it's also quite concerning. Like, you know, me and my mum, when I was a teenager, probably bickered and argued quite a lot, probably you and your mum as well. But I'd like to think, you know, if my mum went missing, that my other family members wouldn't have thought I'd murdered her. But it's obviously interesting that they have already been like yeah they didn't get on like probably my family wouldn't think that was even relevant so it's quite concerning that they already even think he could have been like involved yeah it is it's it's not a strange one per se but like it is like concerning as you said um and by the end of june I'm going to skip ahead, though. Well, only a okay. couple months. But by the okay. end of June 2002, 
there was still no sightings of Louise and she was still classed as a, having disappeared. She was still classed as a missing person. Right. Um, so within the months and stuff, obviously that the family were putting across this information. They had had, you know, small memorials and things like that, but you can't really do much without a body. Um, and Sean, he was in the young offenders place. Yeah, yeah now, of course. Fortunately though, one mm. police officer had a hunch and he ended up getting Sean's car checked for forensic evidence. And this was in July. I feel like that should have been done anyway if the family were like, oh, he's a bit suspicious. But that's just me. Yeah. I don't like, know if you can, like, go into it, though. You, you know, like you said, oh, they like do a argue a lot. So maybe, you know, yeah, check his car. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it turns out that traces of blood were found in the boot of his white Nissan Almera. Now, Ooh. he him and his girlfriend had this car so it was just both of them that had the keys to it um but apparently the odds were like you know a million to one that it, it would have been his mum's blood and right. they, they couldn't check it could they because it's not like she was on the database because there's no body can they not do that thing though where the check with like the sister or that oh i didn't know they could do that like can you not do it I might just be talking absolute rubbish. Can you not do it with like someone's family, like the family thing? If there's like a missing person, can they not check with like family members, like blood or DNA or something? So it's like the closest thing to it. Oh, I never knew that. Even I if could like totally I'm negative, and all of my family are not. That's a fact, not fiction. I'm not, not just like trying to confuse you. Your personality like... type is at your own negative. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think they can, like, I'm sure they've done it with DNA and stuff before, but it might not be with blood. So it might just be DNA. Like if like my, like there was traces of someone's DNA found and my mum was missing, I'm sure they could take like mine or my sister's DNA to check for her. Oh, but wow. it might be totally different with blood. And also that is like, that's maybe like a, a more recent thing. Because I forget this was like early 2000s. So it might actually be that it wasn't a thing then either. Yeah. Oh no, that's interesting though. Thank you. I could actually be totally wrong. Please, no one quote me on this. I'm actually <laughs> <Yeah>. probably talking <laughs> shit. Um. Anyway, this uh, was when the case takes a turn from a missing person to a possible murder case, though. So you know, there it is significant that there was blood in his car. Uh, police obviously they have to look into this further. They can't just jump the gun and arrest someone on the trace that has like a million to one odds that it could have been someone's blood. Uh, so the police start their investigations and they check CCTV footage of that night. Now I'm going to jump again quite far to February 2004 when Sean was still serving his sentence in Polmont, Young Offenders, uh, when he was charged with the murder of his mum, Louise Tiffany. Oh! Mm -hmm. Now this is two years later. There was a bit of delay as well with regards to the court hearing as the trial did not actually take place until the following year in 2005 in the High Court in Perth, which I am surprised about. I thought it'd be like an Edinburgh High Court thing, but I guess it's a missing person. There's no body. I don't know how big this is. Um, And the trial lasted 22 days. Now, at this point, though, we still have to remember, like I've mentioned a million times, you're probably sick of me saying it. But there's still no body. So this investigation, if not all the evidence, really is circumstantial. It's also, this trial is based on circum, circumstantial evidence. Now, throughout the trial, Sean and his lawyers didn't really speak any good words about his mum. And, and things were heated, you know. He was just like a hater. And they, they did not paint her in a good light. People were like, oh, she was way too close to her daughter, Hannah. She was, like, reliant on her 
uh, yes, she was a good mum, but at the same time, she didn't always get taken to school and, hmm. you know, things like, like that. I feel not the good time to start, like, running her down, though, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's also said that even the judge in that that was on the case wasn't, didn't say very good things about her. He doesn't even know her. Exactly. So this isn't painting a good light for the jury either. Now, evidence towards the guilty verdict suggested an escalating breakdown in Sean's relationship with his mum, which I've already mentioned more than once because they weren't on good terms. Now, Sean's gran had spoken in evidence to a conversation with her daughter in which Louise had said that Sean had told her to, quote, get to fuck out of my life, to which she had replied, I can't be out of your life till I'm not breathing. And then he replied, that's a good idea. Hmm. And now, obviously, you know, you say things when you're angry, but still... You wouldn't say that, though. That's a bit too far. Yeah, you would totally regret that once you said it. Um, Sean had also spoken of hating his mum, just using the exact words, I hate her. Like, you know, there's not much Fair else enough. to go on for there. Can't now, really believe that to be something else. Yeah, exactly. Now, with regards to Hannah, the youngest child... Throughout the time of this incident having taken place, she had actually just been asleep the whole night because remember she's young and she <laughs> and Me. she wasn't up exactly. Oh, I slept through the whole thing. Can't remember. Yeah. That. Oh, sorry. Now she was um, in bed until nine a.m. on the morning of the twenty eighth. So there's nothing really to say about her like, with regards to the event. Like there's nothing. So she, we've got nothing from her. Now, also mentioned at trial was that her neighbour from the flat immediately below Louise spoke of hearing while watching Newsnight at around about 11.25. That's your kind of life. I know, exactly. On the 27th of May 2002, footsteps running across the living room above him towards the window, followed by a very loud, startling female scream, which ended abruptly. Right, again, again though, and I'm going to say it, like we spoke about when we were talking about Oh, the case, remember when the guy had the body in the barrel? Again, if you were in your house and you heard a scream from a woman, did he not call it in? Yeah, you would. Or you'd go up you there and be like, what is happening? I mean, I wouldn't do that. I but, wouldn't personally, but yeah, you'd, I was like, you're get a liar. Um, I'd get someone strong to do it. <laughs> but yeah, I would call the police, even like 101. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, and actually say, like, just to be aware this is who lives upstairs and there was like a startling scream I just maybe want a welfare check to make sure everyone's all right or just to report it in case this kind of stuff happens I wouldn't just be like that's suspicious carry on watching my news round yeah no I totally agree with you because after that he heard nothing else um but then also another neighbor in the flat immediately above Louise also heard a male and female arguing then a scream then (laughs) heard nothing more Right. The scream was short but loud and from a female adult. Again, no report. So obviously if it's been a loud scream, exactly, there's like, you know, there's times where I've seen like a spider or I've tripped over something and I've probably let out a scream, but it's never been obviously enough for my neighbours to call it in. They maybe have, but anyway. um, (laughs) But if you heard a scream that you were like loud enough to audibly hear that it was a woman screaming, nah, I think that's really bad from both the neighbours to have not called that in. Don't know. Um, people might disagree with me, but I just think you should be following that. Right? Yeah. Um, Sean's defence, though, for the scream was that sometimes she made that noise when she was surprised or Stop something it. along those lines. So no, again, you're lying to me right she, she made that noise like you would 
if you saw a spider. Or like I would too, but you know what I mean. Um, like we so used to love defense. giving my mum a fright. I still love giving my mum a fright. And my mum, you've gave my mum a fright. She <laughs> screams like nothing on earth. But you could tell it's not a scream of like I'm being murdered. It's very much like a I've got a fright scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> this is so bad, man. Exactly. Um, and then also, like I said, traces of blood were found in his car boot, along with dirt and vegetation on the wheels of the car. Um, but again, no body, so they can't exactly be like, oh, well, this matches where her body was found, the vegetation. So, you know, they can't really, it's again, circumstantial. Now, a dust sheet as well, in which a body could have easily have been wrapped up in, was missing from Louise's flat and it was never recovered. Um, again, circumstantial, who's to say that that dust sheet wasn't taken away weeks ago or months before she was murdered, you know? Um, CCTV evidence cameras at Picardy Place and Wolseley Place in Edinburgh, which is uptown, were both af- like the both of the cameras were accurate for the time and date. And they were in black and white, and they showed a vehicle heading east on Wolseley Place at about one twenty a.m. on the twenty eighth, the morning of the twenty eighth. Uh, the vehicle was identified as a Nissan Almera, which is what Sean drove, um, with a roof spoiler. And it also appeared to have spoked alloy wheels. So it was like, you know, a boy racer's car. And well, in my opinion, because, you know, I drive an older person's car. Now, it was consistent with the vehicle to which Sean had access. And the car with the same appearance was later seen heading west at Wolseley Place at 2.31 a.m. So about an hour after. And at Picardy Place at 2.33. Now, the defence for this, though, was that a vehicle could only make that journey if driven over the speed limit and I'm not like if that's a defense for him he's a boy racer and he's already committed like a, a yeah I'm gonna so, say that is a really terrible defense even from the actual defense that's yeah. quite rubbish being like but he must have been speeding and it's like uh-huh if he's about yeah. to maybe get charged for murder that's really the least of their worries exactly <laughs> so he was speeding <laughs> on the journey now, the vehicle as well, in each case, in all of these cameras, appeared white, but it is black and white, the recording, so it could have possibly have been other been colours. Any colour. Mm-hmm. Now, testing using different colours of cars suggested that the car seen at 120 could have been white, citrine or glacier blue, whereas right. the car at 231 could only have been white. Right. So the police had traced owners of other whiteness and Almeras in Scotland and like with the same attributes and everything as the car that, that Sean drives and asked their whereabouts at the time in question, you know, just to score them out. Yeah, fair enough. And this evidence was used by the crowd to suggest that other similar cars could have been excluded. So, you know, this is narrowing it down a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, footage from the camera at Wolseley Place at 11.46 on the morning of the 28th showed an apparently identical vehicle heading east. So this coincided with a period during which Sean had left the house as inquiries as to where his whereabouts of Louise progressed. This was when she had also been reported as missing. Now, he claimed he had gone to his work at the Corn Exchange, which is in the west of Edinburgh at that time. However, telephone cell site evidence relating to calls definitely made to or from Sean's phone at those times, showed that the signal from these calls were picked up by masts at Trinent, Julianesque, Mid Road, 
and Preston Pans and Lock End House. All between opposite side of town, complete opposite side. And this was all between 12.23 and 12.36pm. Now, the user of the phone was east of Lock End House during this period. So this contradicts Sean's position. Like, you know, he was definitely not at the corn exchange or anywhere near it. And he wasn't at his shift that morning. The crime theory advanced as the trial was that Sean had murdered his mum and disposed of her body in the early hours of the 28th of May 2002, probably in East Lothian, and then that he had returned to the site later that afternoon because it's also suggested by police that when someone disposes of a body in darkness, they'll return to the scene to see if the body is visible in daylight from the road or wherever, which completely makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Now, some folk believe that Louise's body was buried in the grounds of Gosford House, which is part of the Earl of, is it Wemmies? The Earl of Wem's estate in East Lothian? I've got no idea. I'm, yeah, that's true. I'm asking the wrong person here. But um, police searched part of the 60,000 acre estate, but said that the area was too big for them to, you know, search in detail. Yeah. Sean, however, was cleared of the murder at the High Court in Perth when the jury returned a not proven verdict. Right. Because it's all circumstantial. Yeah, which is fair. As we said, there is no body. So <laughs> Now, because of this, the case went pretty much flat and there was no other suspects. And again, no body. Uh, now, jump all the way to the 2nd of April, 2017. Well, that's a big jump. Uh-huh. Human skeletal remains were found by a member of the public. Always found by a member of the public, aren't they? members of the public, aren't they? <laughs> At a wooded area about only eight metres from the side of the road in Long Nidry, East Lothian, which was also near to Gosford House, mm-hmm. where the folk thought that she was buried. Now, obviously, because of this, you know, when the media find out that a person's found a body, everybody jumps to conclusions. But on this one, everyone was like, oh, my God, it's Louise Tiffany. And, yeah. But obviously, this wasn't confirmed until, you know, they did the extensive searches and... The police said that the cause of her death, it was unascertainable. But at the time of her recovery... Especially if it was Louise Tiffany, that's like 15 years. But they managed to identify her out of dental records. So they did find out it was her, they told the family, and and then everybody else found out at the time. Now, at the time of her recovery as well, the remains um, samples of the soil and vegetation Mm -hmm. from where her body was decomposing, that was also taken. So they've taken all the evidence there. They found a body. Now, following this discovery, prosecutors sought permission to set aside the acquittal for Sean. Mm -hmm. And they were going to prosecute him again for Louise's murder. Mm -hmm. So Sean was actually tracked down and he was now living in Berlin, Germany, where he had made a new home for himself. Now, in January 2020, so another jump, three years, Three judges agreed to set aside the previous verdict and allow a fresh prosecution to take place. The laws on double jeopardy had only been changed in 2011 to allow someone to be tried again on the same charges. But obviously you had to put forward a huge document, like I'd Mm -hmm. hate to be the lawyers and things for this, but and it had to be on fresh evidence. And this fresh evidence is obviously a body. Now, a side note as well, another one for you, is that Louise Tiffany's remains were found very close to a beach, 
where the body of another murder victim was discovered 30 years previously. Oh, I wonder who it is. The World's End Murders. Hey. Episode one, should you wish to listen. Now, (laughs) (laughs) that earlier crime, that laid to the change in Scotland's law on double jeopardy. And that change paved the way for Sean's second trial over the murder of his mum. Christine Eady and Helen Scott, they had vanished after a night out in the World's End pub in Edinburgh's old town. And that was in October 1977. Samantha, don't tell them anything. Just tell them to go listen. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But they're you're like, uh, sign note, I'm going to retell you the World's End murders right now. <laughs> yeah, bear with me, I'll be an hour. Um, no, but their bodies were found the next day. So... Obviously, decades passed before DNA and police linked their killings to a convicted murderer. I won't say the name, just, you know, you can't go and <laughs> listen to yeah, it. Or you probably already it. know. Listen to it. Um, yeah, I hope everyone, if you've made it to here, I hope you've listened to the rituals. I know, I know. But just so that to get to the point, though, the first attempt to bring this person to justice was in 2007, because that collapsed um, when a judge ruled that there was insufficient evidence. So that brought their trial to a halt but the outcome obviously caused uproar because of this ancient law on double jeopardy um so it was changed in 2011 so that allowed retrial if there was compelling new evidence which substantially strengthened the original case against the accused so here the obvious new evidence like i said was the body and because of this the world's end murders if that hadn't have not happened but you know if something like that hadn't have happened it could have been that Sean wasn't actually ever going to get retried so a change in law was what allowed this to go ahead which I think is a good change of law in a way. Now the body was the evidence but also the vegetation and the mud around the area where Louise was found because it matched what was found on Sean's car many years ago. So that matched what was around his alloys and wheels, etc. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So at the beginning of January 2020, the report outlining the judge's decision stated that whilst the Crown's case was circumstantial, there was sufficient evidence and the legal tests had been met to allow him to be tried again for murder under double jeopardy laws. So Sean Flynn was to be charged with the murder and of attempting to defeat the ends of justice by concealing Louise's body. Obviously, though, none of us can forget that at the beginning of 2020 was the beginning of the never-ending pandemic. Yeah. And so there were quite significant delays, which is completely understandable. Now, by October 2021, Sean was to appear in Livingston Court, but a warrant for his arrest was issued when he failed to appear. He was to be extradited back to the UK as his home address was still set to Berlin. Now, this rings a bell for me in the news, but I, I thought this was years and years ago, so I don't know if it was something else. But yeah. anyway. Um, but it emerged, though, that his body had been found in Peniscola, Valencia, just 48 hours after the warrant was issued on the 19th of October, 2021. Sean's death, though, was ruled as a suicide at the age of 37. Sean's lawyer, Amir Anwar, said that he'd been advised by police in Spain that Sean had been found dead after taking his own life. He said, quote, any loss of life is a tragedy, 
Sean Flynn's next of kin has been informed and there will be no further comment. So it was said as well that the funeral that took place, it was just a cremation and I think the only person that was there was his dad. And that's the tragic story and death and disappearance of Louise Tiffany. You know, because with the mm-hmm. Sean's suicide, the police didn't take it any further. They didn't have any other suspects. There was nothing else to do on the case. And unfortunately, I think this is just going to be one that no one will actually ever know what happened. But on a... I think the suicide kind of says what happened, you know. Yeah, but I guess to be play dev- devil's advocate, not that I believe this, what I'm saying, but just to play it, was that he could have committed suicide because everyone was against him and thought he had killed his mum and it was got so bad for him that even though he didn't do it, it just got too much and, and he took his own life. No. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, I've got, you know, I've got to play the... I know, I know, yeah, no, but I think it's just like, you know, if you were innocent, you wouldn't really have anything to worry about almost, like DNA and everything like that, but there is... If there was no evidence against him, then I would actually be like, mm, yeah, but there's already quite a bit of evidence against him. Yeah, there was. And and personally, I do believe that he did kill her. Yeah. Um, and I, I just wish it was brought to justice or, you know, he admitted it or there was something there. And yeah, absolutely. It's awful. And, and not good news. Obviously, none of this is good. But one thing is that her body was found and that it can kind of give a tiny, tiny piece of closure to like the sister and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, to her family and, and everything. So... It's a tragic case, and it's a big case, especially a big mm-hmm. case for Edinburgh. But I, I forget about it, you know. Because it was it's so just like long everything ago, else. I think. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that it was only last year, well, only a couple months ago, that all of this came to a close. 